0: Everybody, welcome to the Wild Card edition of Diamond Talk. And you know, we record on Sundays. And when when the Wild Card was coming up, we thought we'd have some more uh games to talk about for the Wild Card. That's not the case. Some teams came in here and took care of business. And we're gonna get to that shortly. But first, we'll say what's up to Robin, Nick. Yo, what's going on, everybody? Definitely good
1: to be here. Definitely good to be talking about postseason baseball. You know, over regular season baseball, that regular season baseball could really uh take you out of it sometimes. And and there are very long stretches of just very simplistic baseball. But I'm glad to to be here in the postseason
2: and the excitement that comes with that. Yeah, man. I'm doing good. I'm gonna answer my own question. What's good? Baseball's good. Postseason baseball's good. And uh one of these teams did not seem to get the notification that it is the postseason and I'll talk about it later, but um
0: really impressed with some of these teams coming out of the first couple of games and really excited to talk about it. And of course, we're always on UniWatch and this uniform is pretty important tonight. So Nick, why are we wearing the Mets uniform today? Because as much as I watched these
2: games over the weekend and saw in my opinion too much of a show from the Mets, I don't want the trip the Quad A Padres moving on. I want the Padres and my guy Francisco Lindor to be keep playing the ball. So, um uh, wearing it because I was uh 2 for 2 in the American League wearing the Indians jersey um and the Mariners jersey they got their series wins didn't happen so much for the Cardinals but hopefully a little magic for the Mets
0: today we'll see man look and let's start let's start with the series that was kind of just if you're a fan of offense you were not a fan of the of this Rays Guardian series cuz there was none of it and it wasn't like how do i say it I don't. I don't know how much of it was pitching and how much of it was just inadequate hitting. Right. Like I think it was a mix of both. Obviously, you know, you had you had a great performance by Shane Bieber. Uh, Shane McCallaghan had one mistake, which pretty much cost him the game. Uh, you go over to game two. Tristan McKenzie. Oh my God. What what a game by Tristan McKenzie. Had CC in, in in the stands cheering for him. You know. On the flip side of that, Glasnow now coming off injury, also going in there doing his thing. Right bullpens did their thing this is a 15 inning game so let's start with that rays and and guardian series and rob i'll start i'm gonna call you ray rob i'll start with you you, man uh that series
1: was about what you would expect from the teams that were playing in that series uh you know there were there were a lot of weaknesses in both lineups you can start to see the especially the bottom half of, of both lineups was extremely weak when you start to compare it to some of the other teams that were out there in the postseason um like you also said though, that we we did get some solid pitching matchups from both sides. I thought Tristan McKenzie and Shane Bieber definitely did what you would pretty much expect from those kind of guys. They are kind of the the kind of guys that, you know, go out there and can put up Cy Young level type of seasons. Same same on the other end. McClanahan and, and Glass now kind of did what you would want them to do. But for the Rays, there were just no offense, not no offense at all. One run across the two games. Again, it's a different situation, right? There it's It's two out of three games instead of three out of five that you would normally have in a division series. So it's 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 kind of like it's kind of like honestly what you would expect from Tampa Bay. They're not that strong of a a lineup. It's it's kind of like it felt just like a regular season series in a way. Like definitely, definitely, uh, you know, postseason atmosphere. But it really did feel like we were just watching another series like, oh, you know, Cleveland, Tampa Bay. Cleveland won the first two like, oh, there's except there's not going to be a game three here. Right. Because that's just how the format is working out. But I wasn't really too surprised. The games kind of turned out how you would expect it to with the pitching talent that was out there. You know, both teams threw out solid, solid pitchers, guys that can be in that top 15 starter conversation every season for sure. Those those four guys were honestly amazing the type of pitching that you want to see especially in postseason baseball you know bringing it and keeping their teams in it for most of the time and then for you know we you pointed it out in that in that first game uh i said it felt like it felt like tampa bay needed to win more than cleveland i kind of felt like you know if tampa bay lost that first game then cleveland was taking this series it, i i don't know i, I kind of felt like if if cleveland went down 0-1, they would still have a solid chance in these next two games um, Cleveland did, wasted no time. took both took both games from Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay honestly looked kind of dead out there in in some of the games. Like there were there wasn't too much energy. There wasn't none of the there honestly wasn't none of the uh, heroics that you know people have been hyping up for for Randy Arosarena off of two postseason appearances. You know, cause saying that he has the <laughs> he has the third highest OPS in a hundred you know plate appearances, and the other two are Babe Ruth and Lou garrett I mean Randy Arena is nowhere <laughs> near any type of conversation to a Babe Ruth or a Lou Gehrig. Um I again, I think the first game he had 3 strikeouts against Shane Bieber, um who again is a Cy Young level pitcher. It's it's the pitchers that you should that you kind of get put in that position to defeat if you're if you're a team's like, you know, primary one of their one of their primary options on offense and Tampa Bay really came out and did nothing. So for Cleveland, I think they went out there and they handled their business. Um, and just a simple message, you know, if you're if you're ever found in situations like that, again, I think the easiest, you know, si- uh, solution to your problem is don't pitch to Jose Ramirez. And I think you you'd, you'd get some better results. Um, so that's just that's just a future uh, suggestion for Tampa Bay. I think they learned their lesson on this. one.
2: Yo, yeah. So for me, on uh, this was the series to have watched. This is the one that I took notes on. <clears throat> I watched some of the games. I watched all the game recaps. And this is the one that I dug into because to me, this is postseason baseball of all the series. This is the one that felt most like players came to play. And unfortunately, just the pitching dominated. And as Rob said, this is exactly what you expect from this series. Exactly. You have great starting pitching along with maybe the best bullpens in the game. And then you go into hitters that you have one or two that can do something for you. But there's really not a lot of pop anywhere in these lineups except for Jose Ramirez. And to Rob's point, don't pitch to him. He's literally the only Cleveland Guardian that you know of, like, I had to look up first names for some of these hitters, because I knew their last names, but I don't know their first names, Jose Ramirez is the one guy, and so you just don't pitch to him, but man, the pitching on both sides was absolutely amazing, except for the former Indian, Mr. Corey Kluber, but it was just one mistake, literally two mistakes in this entire series, is a, is a, is literally a series changer, I mean, the Guardian sweep, the Rays they looked like they were ready to go and just got dominated by Shane Bieber. And when you start out the gate getting dominated, I mean, two strikeouts in the first inning, that's a lot. Like, that's a lot to go against when you're playing in Cleveland. The crowd was loud. The crowd was into this series. And from the last time they were in the postseason, you know what, Indian slash Guardian fans, good job. Good, good on you guys. You're really showing for your team. And for such a small market team that always gets, you know, the crap beat out of them. And for all the crap that we talked about the AL Central, this is a time to take notice that the Indians, the Guardians, really are a decent team, and I'm not going to ever not call them the Indians. Sorry, everybody. I'm not worried about it. Um, but this was a good series for me to watch. I'm a pitcher at heart, obviously. So to see what happened with this, I mean, you've got a guy like Sam Henkins, three innings pitch, six Ks to close out the first game and get the or for game two get the win. That's a lot because that's all extra innings. And one mistake could put your team behind. You already used your closer with Classe earlier in that game, plus the day before. It was amazing. And to see Tyler Glasnow, who's one of my favorite players in the game, come out and do what he did. I mean, he dominated. No walks. When you get a Tyler Glasnow, no-walk start, and you don't win that, that just shows you that Cleveland was more ready for this series, I think, than Tampa Bay was. And you know what? Nice for you, Daniel. You, you, you hate the Rays, and they're they're showing you why they're just, you know, they're not really a franchise you have to worry about, to be real. Unfortunately, you know, it might be time for some serious changes at, at the helm. Kevin Cash, as good of a manager as you are, you've got to get that ring. Um, and maybe this is just what Tampa Bay is. Joe Madden never won a ring down there. He got to the promised land, but never actually won it until he went to another location. So there is something that Tampa Bay does have to seriously address. They weren't as dominant this year as they were last year but they still had the pieces to make a run. And Cleveland really just out Tampa Bay, the Tampa Bay Rays. And something that I know has been talked about on a lot of media, but I don't think we've ever mentioned it. The Guardians are the youngest team in Major League Baseball at 26.4 years old. It's almost a full year younger than the next closest team. And it's four years young, four and a half years younger than the oldest team in baseball. Cleveland is actually younger than the average AAA player. On average, the Cleveland Guardians are younger per player than the average AAA team. That says a lot. This team, when I was watching the highlights and watching some of the game, there's a difference between being ready for postseason baseball to play the game and being ready for postseason baseball to be a part of the show. This team looked like they were ready to play the game. Even like Josh Naylor, his at-bats were, he was locked in with bad results because he went against great pitching. But he was locked in. He His frustration was he was owning it. And that's what I saw with the Guardians. They really seemed to own their mistakes. And they really seemed to make changes through the game, which I didn't see from Tampa Bay. And I haven't really seen from a lot of other teams for the time that I've watched. But, you know, good for the Guardians. They're showing that they might be able to make a run because if you can pit good pitching, typically beats good hitting. If you can keep, even though Tampa Bay isn't a great offense, if you can keep a team to one run over two games, you're going to go pretty far. They are a playoff team. I don't care what you want to say about how bad they are offensively. Yes, they're not the Houston Astros. But when you've got pitching performances like this, especially out of sticks, Tristan McKenzie, I I wasn't expecting this in a playoff start. No way. Not not a chance. Bieber, yeah, I could expect that. But the way McKenzie came out and then just the bullpen. In that game, too, nine innings pitched, four hits, 12 Ks, and three walks. I mean, 3 they're only giving up a base runner every three innings. And they're striking out more than one per inning. That's solid, and when you got guys that you don't really hear of on a regular basis because they're playing in the AL Central, there's going to be a lot of guys making a name for themselves, and I, I like their chances going forward with the way that they showed up in this first game uh, or this first series. So this was a fun one for me to watch. I'm really looking forward to, the, to Cleveland's next series. For me, I didn't want to see the Rays bow out so early, but they got beat fair and square. I mean, both teams came to play. The Guardians just they just got a little bit better at bats uh-huh. when the timer's right. And to Rob's point, you just don't pitch to Jose Ramirez in the regular season or
0: the postseason. You just don't do it. We have to give credit to Guardians because the Guardians did show up. And you can tell just the energy that team had, right? Like, they had a better energy than than, than the Rays did. Rays looked pretty dead when they were out there. And that's something that you don't necessarily see out of, um, you know, cash, you know, run teams. However, this team just did not look like they were there to play. Guardians, different story. You mentioned the pitching, it was electric. For, for me, the, the bigger deal with them is how do they adjust? Because they outhit the Rays by a lot. They didn't do much with it. They, they did not do much with it. And that's something that they, they're going to have to address. You know, you're going to go into the ALDS and you're, you're playing the New York Yankees. Even though you might make an argument that the Rays pitching could be better than the Yankees pitching, it's not by much. It's not by much if you're making that argument. The one guy that you're really worried about, if you're in New York, it's probably Jose Ramirez. Obvious, he's the one guy that you get pitched around all series. You do not challenge Jose Ramirez in that lineup. You don't have to. Uh, and then you know you mentioned Josh Naylor. He's the other guy who's a risk of a home run ball because he does have pop and he has been having good at bats. And you know we we all know about Yankee Stadium and the short porch. So those two guys really need to step up next series if they're gonna do anything. But other than that, you know, I'm not really too... too. I, I didn't love what I saw out of, out of the Guardians offense, right? They got a couple of hits here, right? They sprayed the ball. They they, they put the ball in play, which is awesome. Uh, I think they're going to be a big threat next year if they get some of the guys moving on the bases. On the Ray side, though, it was just ugly. It was just ugly to watch. It, it was a team that didn't look like they wanted to be there. now did his thing. He looked like he was fired up. He looked like he looked like the glass now that we usually look look to. Again, not necessarily the best offense, but still he was pumping, right? It, as far as like where the Rays go from here, out of all the teams in baseball who who, who took a step back after the the juice ball era, right? Which this year this year was the first year that the juice balls were supposedly completely out of um circulation. They're the team that suffered the most, right? You have a guy that in in Randy Rosarina which which Rob mentioned he's not a power hitter. I'm not saying he's a bad. He's a bad player. He's just not a power hitter. He's not a guy who's going to hit your 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 900 800 OPS, which is what we've been talking about him as. He's just not that guy and there's nothing against him. I think he's going to have great value going into next year. Just not in the power department, right? Not in the clutch hit department. He's he's not that dude. You you know you look around that lineup Brandon Lowe hasn't been Brandon Lowe it just hasn't been – he just hasn't been that 40-home run guy. Again, injuries definitely pack in there. The ball change probably has a lot to do with it too. Wander Franco, we know, is not at full strength. Um, it's been talked about at nauseum how that hamstring injury actually takes longer to kind of get through than than more than most hamstring injuries for whatever reason. Um, you know, I'm not a doctor, so I'm not going to be out here and, and you know, graze anatoming it. But so still, the point is with, with, with the Rays is they just weren't ready. You could tell they weren't ready. This is a team that, look go, going into next year, you, you can't be that excited. Your best pitcher, Shane Baz is gonna be, is, is going to be pitching. Who on offense is coming back that we're like, oh, man, that's a game changer? I I, I don't know, right? They're, 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 don't get me wrong. They're finding their way into the playoffs, especially with 34 seeds. Like, they'll be there. They'll be annoying. They'll be a nu- nuisance. They'll find ways to win we'll be talking to them as a dark horse. All these conversations are going to happen, but you know, to to what Nick mentioned, how do they get to the next step? Cuz it's cute playing in the middle. It's cute playing in the middle, right? If you lose, nobody cares. If you win, it's awesome. But personally, where I where where I come from, if it's like if you're not going to take that next step to try to win, I don't really care about you, right? You're just another team taking up another spot. You know what I mean? It's it, you, you had your in the real run. This wasn't it. Uh, you gotta look back, and by the way, we we gotta mention we, we gotta mention Oscar Gonzalez. Oscar Gonzalez was the one that hit the walk off home run yesterday in the like 18th, 15th inning. Uh, you know, if it wasn't for him, we'd probably still be playing baseball today at a zero zero pace. So thank you, Oscar Gonzalez, for putting out of us out of not misery. It was a good game, but we, we were at the point where we we're about to see a guy. They're gonna call up like, yo Nick, you still got an arm left, bro? We need some pitchers for the 18th inning, right? So we're, we're happy. We're, uh, again, series starts on Tuesday. It's going to be Yankees and Guardians. Uh, not that this is an episode about the Yankees, but Aroldis Chapman is off the roster. He missed a workout with the Yankees. The Yankees said, yeah, fuck you, dude. Stay in Miami. We don't need you. Um, so that's an interesting turn of events. Uh, but, yeah, let's move on to our next series. And this series was fun. This series was a lot of fun. Uh, and specifically, the ga- specifically game two. And we're going to talk about the Mariners and Blue Jays. This yo know, game 2 was a game for the history books. It had so many emotions in it. We had we had a we had injuries to the key players. We had great pitching experts, we had terrible pitching experts by both teams, right? It wasn't just one it wasn't even one-sided. But yo know, Nick, I'll start a few man. What were your take on, on the uh AL Wild Card game between the Mariners and the Blue Jays?
2: Well, Mr. Vladdy Jr., uh, if this is the movie, I'm not going to watch the sequel. You guys came out so flat, in my opinion. This is the team that I'm talking about that, to me, seemed like they were here for the show and not for themselves to play in the postseason. They just seemed like they wanted to hype up everything they did instead of just moving it along. Like, postseason baseball is different. Like, don't celebrate that solo home run in the first, you know? Um, Not that they had that. But to me, it seemed like they were more interested in. What they just did produce right now rather than worrying about what what happens next. And in my opinion, and everybody's gonna jump on me for saying this, you know, everybody that that is a Blue Jays fan, the Springer injury, that play, that triangle of death right there, that just to me exemplified what the Blue Jays were in this series. They were all going for their own self, not talking, not helping out each other. When you have George Springer diving headfirst into a Beau Bichette, kind of diving backwards. What are you guys doing? You're you're cream of the crop, elite players. This isn't you know some random center fielder and some backup Edmundo short, Sosa shortstop. Like these are guys that are supposed to know this. I get it. Toronto's loud. I've seen games there. I, I as I've said before, but you gotta figure this out, especially to keep players like that. You can't get hurt, especially with Springer's history of injury. You just can't do that. So to me, that kind of exemplified the whole series. You know, Alec Manoa got punched in the face, like just literally punched in the face after hitting Julio Rodriguez. And what I really with from the Mariners was Julio Rodriguez gets hit and he just goes to first base. Like, he doesn't do anything. And he gets it later in the game, just goes to first base. Like, the Mariners to me really seem like they understand, even though they haven't been there in 20 years. This team seems like they understand what postseason baseball is about. It's about getting that next guy up and, and keep the chain moving. And wow, Castillo, dude what a start like you are an ace of an ace every dollar you they just paid for you is almost worth it at this point the trade you know one of the best trades in Mariners history right now even though it's only one playoff game and you can say that with confidence because they haven't made the playoffs in 20 years like there's literally there's two decades of fans for Seattle that have not seen their team in the playoffs that's crazy to me like the, their playoff drought, you could almost drink. Like, you're almost legal age to drink in America based off their playoff drought. So there was just a lot of stuff that I saw from the Mariners that I really liked. They seem humble. They did it with small ball. I mean, that's how they got their first couple runs to start off against Alec Manoa. They did it with the long ball. Um, Cal Rally is still just popping bombs. And this was just a fun series to watch. Like you said, if you want offense, you got offense. If you want pitching, you got pitching. If you want defense, you got defense. I mean, you've got a Henio Suarez the worldwide leader in strikeouts doing an oppo double to get the first run in the game. Like that says a lot that you've got a guy who's a power hitter doing what you should do in baseball to just get the run in, to get the lead first inning of the first game of a playoff series against the other team's ace. Just do whatever you can to get that run. And he did it. Um, Kevin Gossman. Great job. I mean, that was a good start for you. It maybe didn't end the way you wanted it to. And I, this is one where I feel like he probably should have been left in a little bit longer just to to really empty the tank. This is your elimination game. Like, just leave him out there. But but to your point, this was a really fun series to watch. For Toronto, I want to see where you progress next year because you did get better from last year, and maybe last year was a year too early. But this was the year, and you... Vladdy put it on himself, put it on the team, that this is going to be the movie, not the trailer. And when you do stuff like that, you've got to come up big. And for them to kind of be struggling all year and kind of sneak in as the wild card, that to me was, I was really hesitant to really pull for them. And I think they have a lot of growing to do as a team. They're a young team. They're young superstars. But where do they go from here? They have all the talent, both on the pitching side. I mean, starting pitching is good. Bullpen's good. Offense is good. They have good defense. It's not It's not terrible. But how do you put it all together? The Mariners, you know what, just tip of the cap, Mariners. You guys are playing ball the right way in every sense of the word. You look like you're ready to be here, which is not what I was expecting. I was not expecting to watch this series and watch these players and really see a team that's ready to be in the postseason. And I think they can have a good run in this playoffs. It's going to be tough going against the Astros, but one of the neutralizers is the fact they've seen the Astros 19 times this year. They saw the Astros 19 times last year. This is a familiar foe, and you know what you're going against. There's, there's not surprises. You're not going to get surprised by anybody. And so now it's just about executing, and are you the better team? Are you the hotter team? And we've seen it plenty of times. As a former Giants fan, I saw plenty of times where the Giants were just the hottest team going to the playoffs. And the Mariners, they're a pretty hot team right now, and I think they keep it going. And the next series is going to be just as fun to watch, in my opinion. I'm glad that Toronto got a home series. I'm glad they got home playoff games to see that crowd. And I'm now really excited to see the Mariners home field advantage when they play the Astros. Because if you saw any of the cutaways, that stadium was pretty packed for it for the game being played in Toronto. Like, you know, T-Mobile Park was pretty well attended considering that the game was being played in Toronto. And that just shows you what that stadium is going to be like, you know, come this upcoming week when they play the Astros. And there's always a grudge. They always want to beat the Astros because that is the team to beat. It's going to be really, really fun to watch. And I can't wait to see Julio Rodriguez just keep balling out in these in this postseason and just keep establishing himself as a superstar in the game after one year
0: rob so so one thing one thing we know is that that yankees were co-stars in this movie just because we're in the same division right so yeah you know we, we, we we're in it we we're in a few scenes you know give or take like 17 but whatever this series I, we have a lot of players that we both like between julio rodriguez you know vladdy your boy alec manoa and you know it just didn't seem to sh- to work out what w- what was your take on the series man when you were watching it it was yeah it, it was a lot of good stuff between Seattle
1: and Toronto but I think on Toronto's end right they they were probably expecting a better performance from Alec Manoa it look it's gonna happen we we saw it happen to to another guy in a series we're, we're going to get to here in a bit like it, it happens to the best of them it happens whether you're a top tier pitcher mid-level pitcher you know back of the rotation guy you can mess up any start on any given day but for Toronto I know that they wanted a, a better performance from from Alec Manoa. You know, for him, it it, it kind of sucks because you know we love him because he he's that k- kind of guy who's like willing to say whatever's on his mind and you know like I'm ready to go and all this stuff. But th- those are also the kind of things that people love to bring up when you fail, right? Like that's that's the double edged sword. That a guy like Alec Manoa has. For Toronto, they got they got what they needed from Kevin Gaussman in game two. They could they could have not asked for more, you know, from Kevin Gaussman. Obviously, we saw them fall apart at the end. That wasn't on Kevin Gaussman. Kevin Gaussman gave Toronto exactly what they paid for this offseason. Um, so from that end, I can't say anything bad about Kevin Gaussman. Yeah, they definitely didn't get, you know, players necessarily performing to the level that they wanted. Like for for sure, Vladdy Jr. Vladdy Jr. had a, had a down year all around. Um, just looking at his entire season and what and what the expectation was, you know, from from last season being the runner up for the for the AL MVP, a lot of people were expecting a stronger year from Vladdy. A lot of people were expecting a stronger year from Bo Bichette. Bo Bichette definitely, you know, started to heat up at the end of the season, but all around, um, you know, people were expecting a, a better year from him as well, and a lot of, and a lot of their other players. But like we saw in game two, to, uh, to Oscar Hernandez, you know, came up came up clutch for them in a lot of big moments. But that's the reality that that, you know, Toronto was just kind of that team where, like Nick said, it looked like they were just out there and kind of just like letting things happen. Like we're just like, oh, we're about to lose this game. Well, that that's what it is. Um for them, they I think they have to do more on the on their end to kind of like tweak some of the things on on that roster. I'm definitely interested to see what they're going to do in the offseason. Um, but for Seattle, you know, they're 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 living a dream. Seattle, Seattle is just has been riding momentum for a lot of this year at a lot of different periods, especially when they were on like their 14 game win streak, which kind of, you know, boosted them into, to solidify a place in the wild card picture and, and, you know, even be able to be in, in this postseason series. Um, so they're ready, they're ready to play. They're ready to play at every series. You know, they got the, they didn't necessarily get the performance that they, they would have liked from somebody like Robbie Ray, but they got the performance that you need and that you trade for from Luis Castillo which I said in in a previous episode you know it's proving to be the most important trade piece of this past deadline Luis Castillo could end up being Luis Castillo could end up being you know if depending on if on if they get past Houston depending on how far Seattle goes Luis Castillo is a guy who could be like ALCS MVP World Series MVP or something like that for Seattle if they if they if they're they're able to you know make a deep run but you know I think that that for them I think they they just hope that going into this next series with Houston, for them, they have to hope that their lineup clicks. That's what it comes down to. Um, I think they, I think they know what they're going to get from their pitching, or at least what they expect from their pitching. We've said it before: Luis Castillo, Robbie Ray, George Kirby, Logan Gilbert. You feel good going into a matchup with a lot of those guys. Again, it's a, it, it could be a give and take. It could be a bad performance. It could be a good performance. But I think for Seattle, the key is going to be their lineup because we know that on both ends, whether you're looking at pitching and and offense. Houston is going to bring it on all cylinders. Houston, Houston has been there before that. I mean, what, how, how we're talking about a period of what five years and Houston has been to the ALCS or, or the world series, like almost every single year. I think like they're, they're, they're experienced. They know exactly what they're doing. and, And for a team like Seattle, that can be something that could be very tough to overcome. So we're definitely going to have to see how they how they come out swinging, especially at the start of the next series.
0: What, what impressed me a lot about the Mariners was this game too, right? It's really easy to go into game two and go down eight to one and be like, "Look, we won game one. Maybe it just wasn't our game. We'll come back on on you know we'll come back on Sunday. We'll see what what happens. We'll try to win Sunday." They did not do that, man. They stayed in the game the entire time. Next inning after they go eight after they go down eight to one, come back two hits in a row, and at that moment, I, I don't know about you guys, but I I felt like this this game's not over, right? This game's definitely not over, and you know you, you look at you look at just the players, right? And and how they're rallying around each other, it was it wasn't it, nobody did anything that was out of character, right? It wasn't like we we saw some superhuman kind of Play by anybody. Right? Adam Frazier, slider inside, pulls it down for a double, right? He's a guy who's been criticized all year long for not being as good as they thought he was gonna be. JP Crawford, man, all he does is put a ball in play, and he was the he was the hitter who caused the Bermuda triangle out there. All he needed to do, put the ball in play, right? Um, you know, the bullpen, which is a strength of the Mariners, really wasn't that good yesterday. That that bullpen struggled yesterday, but guess what? After the next guy came in, they try to figure it out, and, and and they did their job. And I, I, at some point during the game, I uh I was on the thread, and I'm like, "Yo, if if I was if I was a betting man, or if I could legally bet in California, I'd put money on on the on the Mariners winning this game right now." Because you just felt that, right? You 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 just felt it, and I think that was you need that when you're going to be a special team. Which right now, Mariners are proving to be a special team, and unlike unlike the Guardians, I felt like they expected to win, right? I think Guardians won, and I think that they're happy they won. But I don't know how, further, how much further the Guardians think they're going to go. The Mariners, you can tell that they plan on going a lot longer than, than just the next round. So, you know, Mariners fans, you guys got to be happy about that. And, you, and the most special thing about this is they put up nine runs yesterday. Julio Rodriguez accounted for none of those, right? I don't think, I don't think Julio Rodriguez had a hit in the series. And, you know, that's not against Julio Rodriguez. He had some really hard-hit balls. But the rest of that team is picking it up around them, right? Um, for the Blue Jays, what's next for the Blue Jays? It's very simple to me. You need a new manager. I, I, I'm sorry. Like, John Schneider, he was an intra-manager, right? They, they fired Charlie Montoya midseason when they were, like, struggling at the gates. They need somebody else there because I think the biggest thing, the biggest difference between these two teams was the attitude they had going into these games? You're in a you, you're in a series where you can win a game. Why are you pissed the whole the whole time, man? Like, wh- why do you have such a chip on your shoulder? You know, because it's one thing to be like, okay, we're gonna win. It's another thing of like, this didn't go our way. We're better than this. This should have gone our way. Which is the attitude you get from the Blue Jays, right? Like, not not for nothing. Like, Vladdy, buddy, I love you. You know, my I, I I can't I can't tell you how much I want. Vladdy Jr. to succeed, but all the shit you're doing, you're coming, you're coming out, you look pretty stupid, man. Like just play the game. You're one of the best hitting prospects we've seen in this game ever. Boy, just hit, man, just hit and celebrate afterwards. Celebrate after your team does these, these these great achievements, right? Like I know it's not your fault. A, a reporter asked you about the season, and you said the whole movie thing. I'm not gonna say that you did that like purposely. But look, you're gonna look real stupid. You put a target on your back. One day, one thing it's not needed to put there. Because people want to cheer for you. When you say stupid shit like that, they're not going to cheer for you. Um, you know, Especially if you, if you fail at it, which is the bigger concern for them.
2: Real quick, the one thing, and don't get me wrong, I'm not a Toronto fan. I don't live in the area. I'm probably, that's probably the farthest team away from me in the entire MLB. Um, but what I didn't see, what I would have loved to have seen, was George Springer, with his playoff experience, doing something. Doing something other than just playing baseball. And the feeling I got from Toronto was they were just out there playing baseball. They didn't turn any notches for the postseason. George Springer should have pulled a team huddle. He should have had some sort of pregame or post-game comments for the team. George Springer to me let the rest of his team down in a sense. He's the only one who has legit playoff experience. I don't think he utilized that to the best of his abilities to get this team to a different level.
0: And I think that goes to 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 um like my overall point where there was just no leadership. There's nobody there that took it that, that took the team and said, "Hey, look, we're in this situation. This is what we got to do." And we saw that repeatedly, right? Whether whether it was, you know, Bo, Bo getting thrown out because he was just lollygagging around a base, right? Or making a bad throw because he had time. So he said, hey, let's go three quarters instead of his normal throw, right? So that's where you, look, the Blue Jays have the talent, right? Their bullpen, yeah, may, maybe get some upgrades there. But we all know bullpens year-to-year change drastically. Gossman did his thing, you know, for for all the Gossman talk that he's had this year, I was even surprised they took Gossman out when they did because he was pitching. So, yeah, there was a couple of guys on base, but when you know your bullpen is at as weak as it is, you probably try to push that for a couple more innings, right? Try to shorten that game to get to Jordan Romano, who, you know, he, he's gonna, you're going to look back and, and you're going to look at the numbers and be like, oh, Jordan Romano caused a lot of this. He did good, man. He, it, it really wasn't his fault, right? Bermuda Triangle play, that turned into a double that scores three runs. Hard to put that on him. Right, um, you know, other things, you can't really be mad at him. My point is just, it was a mismanaged series from the Blue Jay standpoint. And if they're gonna take the next step, I think that's bigger than any signing they can make. Right? Yeah, maybe you go get an arm. You know, maybe you will get bullpen peace, Right? Edwin Diaz, uh, future Blue Jay. I don't know, but I think uh, none of that matters unless you get somebody in front of you that can can guide the team where it needs to go because it's a good team. It's a very talented team um let's move on let's move on to our next series and this one's also over and this one is this one kind of brings a tear tear to my eye because we see some of the games best players put on the uniform for the last time um you also see what's the great disgrace in baseball if, if you're a pitching and defense fan um because the defense went out and you know i'll start it with this game one once you saw one of the best, if not the best, defensive third baseman, and Nolan Arenado make a late inning error. For me, that's where the series ended. I think at that point, it it doesn't it didn't matter what happened. Right at that point, I think you felt the air get let let, let out of the, the series, which, you know, the the Cardinals never really never really got into. Um, Rob, I'll start with you on the series, man. What what were your takes on it?
1: Uh, I think the Cardinals have to do a lot more. I think the Cardinals have to get to a point where they are acquiring actual pitching talent and not just overhyped, you know, names. Because again, it's, look, they threw out there. And, and again, this has nothing to do with the performance that they that they did. Great performances by, by, you know, like Jose Quintana, right? In game one. But at the same time, if you're going out there with pitching, that's Jose Quintana, Miles, you know, Mikolas, like, Jordan, you're throwing out Jordan Montgomery out there. You know, and not not in a starter, but in the situation that they did. We heard a lot of things. You know, people said about, oh man, Jordan Montgomery is is this difference making pitcher for St. Louis or anything like that. I think a team like St. Louis, um, you know, definitely more than than we just saw like a team like Toronto. Like you made a good point, Toronto for Toronto might be a a manager upgrade, um, you know, or a manager change for a team like St. Louis. It has to be like changing some of their pieces up. They they have to try to acquire. More pitching. Yeah, we can blame some of it on injuries and things like that for guys like Jack Flaherty. Um, we don't know if for sure, for sure, if if Adam Wainwright is gonna retire. Um, you know, I know there have been some comments about him potentially playing one more season or something like that. We'll have to see on that end. But for St. Louis, they definitely have to make some some better moves because they went in there with, you know, the guy who potentially is gonna win the NL MVP another guy in Nolan in Paul Goldschmidt another guy in Nolan Arenado who potentially is going to be top 3 top 4 in the MVP vote so you have two, five, two top 5 MVP level players for this season and you know they still look like they like they were missing some additional pieces um they they kind of have to you know go out there this offseason and kind of see the, what what they can do to kind of alter some of the pieces of this team especially when it when it really is an end of an era of St. Louis baseball you know your Albert Pujols is gone. Your Yadier Molina is gone. Your Adam Wainwright might be gone. Those are those are key pieces. We we said it in previous episodes. Albert Pujols might have been the, the Cardinals' third most important bat this entire season. A 42 year old Albert Pujols was your third most important bat. You kind of got to get that fix. You kind of got to get that. You know. You kind of got to try to go out there and I. You know. I'm not I'm not gonna try to focus on specific names, but you kind of have to try to go get a 26, 27, 28 year old. That could be, you know, another another uh, top level name in that lineup, because for St. Louis, they did not look good against Philly. Um, you know, they they definitely had let Philly do a little bit of a comeback season on them, similar to, to Seattle and Toronto. But Philly, Philly just went out there and looked like the better team. And I've said it and I've said it recently, too. Ever since they fired Joe Girardi, they've been playing a lot better baseball. They were a team that was an under 500 team when they had Joe Girardi as their manager. And as soon as they made that change, they played, you know, over 500 baseball the rest of the way. They were able to lock down that postseason berth, and we see exactly what happens. All you have to do is make it into the postseason. Postseason, the brand new season. I don't care what the records are. It, everyone's 0 and 0 when the postseason starts, and Phil- Phillies just went out there and did what they had to do. They they're getting production, you know, from from key guys and things like that. And Bryce Harper, your Gene Segura's are coming up are coming up clutch. But what we saw too in these two games were something that we mentioned. Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola can go up against anybody, up against anybody. It doesn't, matter if, it doesn't matter if neither of them is necessarily considered a top 10 pitcher or anything like that. But if they're your game one and game two starters, any team that's trying to make a serious World Series run is going to benefit from having two guys like Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola in front of their rotation. And I think that's exactly what we saw in this series. And for a team like, like Philadelphia, they, they, you know, they have, I'm sure they have their own expectations. But overall in the world of baseball, their expectations are lower than a lot of other teams right like they like no one saw the Braves or or the Dodger or Philly you know being ahead of the Braves or the Dodgers or anything like that in terms of uh, you know how would you rank them going into the World Series so for Philly I think they just got to play you know good baseball moving forward and 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 the, the thing for them is they're going up against a recognized opponent. they know Atlanta better than a lot of other teams that's that's a benefit you know playing a team within your own division. That can definitely be a benefit for them. Um, I, it's definitely not going to be a tough series playing against the defending champions. Atlanta is Atlanta for a reason. We see, we know how Atlanta functions and, and things like that. But for Philly, they just have to keep playing good baseball. And for St. Louis, I think it's going to be an offseason of a lot of things staying the same for them because they do have a lot of good pieces. But it's also going to be a lot of regrouping in a lot of other areas.
0: It's going gonna, it's gonna to be interesting what the Cardinals do. Just because how much better can you can you realistically make this roster with what's, with what's going to be out there? Um, you know, on, on the pitching end, oh, I, you're not gonna really think about it because it happened like in September. But, uh, their closer had a, had a had a finger injury, right? And anytime you have a a injury to the hand of a pitcher, right, it's it's hard to know where you're gonna do what you're gonna do with that. It, it was very clear that he had no command of of, of his pitches, right, and. If you're, this, I think this is where having a good managerial staff really helps. If you're the bullpen coach in, in this situation, and you see him out there not controlling switches, and by the way, even his warm-ups they didn't look great, right? You, you can tell when, when someone has their stuff. At no point in the game did he look like he had his stuff. You, you can't put him out there. You just can't, especially when you have other options. So I'm talking about game one specifically right you're up 2-0 last inning you know you you have to make a better decision there if you don't trust any other anybody else on your on your um you know in your bullpen then that's a whole different that's a whole different like problem you have the fact that they didn't go to anybody else and say hey look you know we we just have to trust this it's astounding to me and obviously it's hindsight 2020 the the other part of it is this year for, for for the Cardinals was a special year, where you know it, it looked like the stars were lining up. You know, you you have the amazing year by Pujols, yadi not playing as much, but you know, Yadi's last year there, and Wainwright, which I, I don't think we know he's, what he's going to do yet, but I'm going to assume it's his last year too. Uh, you know, it's hard when you've been around some somewhere for like twenty years and your boys aren't there anymore, right? It becomes a different, just becomes a different place. So. You know, we'll obviously we'll see where we're, where they will go. On the flip end of that, for Philadelphia, great job. You know, great job. That, that offense came to life when it needed to in game two. Um, you know, they didn't look overmatched at any point in the game. You mentioned Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola. You need that. You need their, that kind of pitching if you're the Phillies because everything else is kind of suspect. You need those two guys to pitch like those two guys pitched. Because let's be honest, after that, it's kind of a toss-up. So, Nick, I'll kick it to you, man. What, what do you think of the series?
2: The series is really interesting because going into it, all the storylines were around the Cardinals. Coming out of it, for me, all the storylines are about the Phillies in good and bad ways. But for the Cardinals, you really only had two highlights, and that's the fact that Yadier Molina and Albert Pujols ended their Major League Baseball careers with a postseason hit. That's it's kind of the only highlights from this. And when I was watching the highlights of it, like, I saw Nolan Arenado's backhanded pick. That's a tough play, the very first inning of the first game. That's a tough play to make. And he and he made the play. I'm like, okay, here we go. Defense is going to show up. But when, in baseball, you know what? Defense doesn't really win you games a whole lot. Like, defense is the one thing that can be neutralized pretty easily. Um, it can't take over a game. You have to have the opportunities. The Cardinals just didn't have the opportunities. And I don't know if it was just bad luck. I mean, to your point, Nolan Arenado with an error on a play that I mean, he almost, like, he could have closed his eyes in most cases and made that play, it feels like. And then he hits a deep fly ball that he thought he got all of and it didn't go out. Nolan Arenado's played enough games, he's hit enough balls to know when he makes contact, if it's going out. So to see him react the way he did on that deep fly ball in game one really showed a lot. And then Albert Pujols smashes what should have been a double down the line and it happens to kick off the wall. And bounced straight to the person with the worst arm in Major League Baseball. Kyle Schwarber. Like, he might as well pump the ball. And the ball was hit so hard and carried so perfectly to him. They couldn't even go to third base on it. It was just, it felt a little bit like bad luck. But also, the manager, uh, Marmol, did not help himself out. I felt the game, the series was over. When Marmol, yeah, he strikes out Reese Hoskins. But walks Bryce Harper, walks Nick Castellanos and then hit by pitch on Alec Bowman to get in a run. Right there. So you should have taken him out after the walk to Harper, especially, like you said, after his warm-up pitches and seeing what he did. When you get a, a line drive from JT Realmuto and then a walk to Harper, don't be wrong, Harper is dangerous. He could hit a two-run bomb, no problem. I understand that. But When you walk him the way he did and you turn right around and walk Nick Castellanos, who has been absolutely terrible this year. He is name value only. He is not production this year. When you walk him and then you hit by pitch, those are three cases where Helsley should have been pulled. To your point, he's got an injury. He's just not ready for it. He's not ready for that spot. Just get the next guy in there. And Marmol left him in. Marmol messed up the next game, too, by taking Nicholas out so early. In that situation, you have one run or zero runs given up by Nicholas. You leave him in until he gives up a bigger lead. That's just what you do, in my opinion. Now, flip the script and go over to Philly's man. What a series! These guys showed up and they get more baseball, which is awesome. The two longest postseason droughts in Major League Baseball, National League and American League, both move on. They're getting more postseason baseball. That's a great storyline. And the Phillies just came to play. And that I wrote down in my notes that the Phillies have two ace of aces with Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola. And here's why I say that: they both had about hundred pitches in six innings pitched. That's not. That's a lot of pitches but they gave up zero runs. In the postseason, that's where you get your legacy. That's where you get these, who are these guys? It's not always dominating like Shane Bieber did and throwing 100 pitches through seven and two-thirds. It might just be a six-inning game where you put out 100 pitches, but you keep the other team off the board. That's a big deal, and I'm a big Alec Baum fan. This kid is so into the game. Everything he did, Was a small clap to himself and then right back into the dugout and then right back to his coaches. What's next? When he got hit by that pitch in game one, he bounced up clapping, running to first base, sprinting to first base. That shows me that he's into this game for the next player up to get the win, to do whatever he can and just move it along. He made great plays. He made great base running. Um, He he uh, he got into a pickle to try to score the run from third, uh, I believe it was game one. That, that's smart heads-up baseball where you're literally – you could have stolen second base. You could have second and third, but there's two outs. So he gets into the rundown to try to let the runner score. That's really heads-up baseball. Another storyline for the Phillies, uh, Segura, never a postseason game in 1,300 games played. He comes up with a clutch RBI in the first game to really set the tone. Like, hey, I'm here, and we're going to play, and we're going to make this happen. For them to score six runs in the ninth inning when down three runs, like, that's, that's just awesome. For the Phillies. You've got two starters that can go. You've got bull. The only trouble with the Phillies right now is that bullpen. It is so Richter scale. It is up and down. It can be really good and really bad. That's scary in the playoffs, especially going to a team like the Atlanta Braves, who they know very well. But I was excited to see what the Phillies did. They got great pitching. They got great hitting. They they got some good defense, and they've got some players who just really seem like they want to be in this moment for the team, very much like the Mariners, very much like the Mariners. They look like they wanted to be here. They look like they're ready to be here. And I'm looking forward to seeing what happens in this next series, because as lopsided as it seems between the Phillies and the Braves, I think this series ends up being a lot more even and a lot of fun baseball to watch. There's going to be some blowouts, I think. There's also going to be some great pitching. Um, This is going to be a fun series to watch. You know, good for the Phillies. The Cardinals were just running on Cardinal magic. They really didn't have anything that you would have said going into this series or even the season where you're like, yeah, this is why they're going to win. They've got great power. Not really. They've got some good players. But I mean, to Rob's point, when you have two top five MVP candidates and you still are like, where is the offense? That tells you a lot about what this team was capable of going into this into this series. And the Phillies just showed up. They were hot to end the year. They played their way in and they, they keep playing well. They could have a run. I am um, more interested in the Phillies Brave series after watching these games because I think it's going to be a lot better than I would have expected before this series was played.
0: Man, it, it, so the the one thing that I don't like about these series so far is that in a lot of the aspects, it feels like the other team lost the game instead of the winning team winning the winning the series. Right. So I, I'll say it like like with the with the Rays and Guardians. As good as the Guardians were, I didn't think the Rays were in it at all, right like I think you can see that when during the games when it came to the uh Mariners and blue jays, I give all credit in the world to the to the Mariners because the Mariners had to mentally be at a at a space to even do those things but Blue Jays also kind of blew it like it wasn't it wasn't just like like especially game two right like game two game one was a great game came two it was look man you have an eight one lead. I don't care how much pixie dust is in the air, you have to win that game. Right? Like, like we, we were talking about who's going to start game three for the for the Blue Jays. Nate, not Nate Pearson. Uh, who's he talking about? Uh, Ross Stripling was going to be a game three starter, right? Like, I, in my opinion, as much as as much credit I'm going to get to the Mariners because they deserve it, you also have to say, yo, Blue Jays, you kind of blew this one, right? Like, you know, and then with the with, the, with this series with the Phillies and, and Cardinals. All the credit to, to, to the Phillies, right? You you know, you had you had your two guys do what they needed to do, your two ace horses do what they needed to do, but you also kind of felt like the Cardinals kinda of punted after their their game one loss. Right? Like it was like, hmm, we we blew this 2 0 lead, uh, game two we're gonna go in kind of sketchy. They they never really had that energy that we're gonna win this game, um, past that. Which takes us to series number four, which in my opinion has similar feeling. Separate The difference is that Mets came back and said, look, we're not that team. Like, yeah, maybe we backed ourselves into, into a corner after game one and, and, you know, our $43 million ace giving up seven runs in four innings. But that's not going to be our story. We're going to come back game two. We're going to win it. And we're going to win the series game three, which is tonight. What are your keys to the game for tonight for game three? So, you know, Mets obviously ran through their two aces. The Grom and Scherzer won't be pitching today. That." That was their, that was their main card to play, right? We have two of the best pitchers in the game, right? If you if we have a top five list, they're probably in that list. Um, you know those two guys are in that list. They're probably they're actually top five in our top ten list at the beginning of the season, right? Um, if we if we look at the Padres, they're kind of playing with house money right now, and you're getting contributions from guys that kind of over, over underperformed the second half of the season. You're getting home runs from from your center fielder who. Um, you know, Trent Grisham, you're getting Josh Bell being productive, you know, you're doing things that it's not the way we thought you were going to be winning, but you're kind of there. So because you're wearing the Mets gear, Nick, tell me what you think is going to happen tonight.
2: This is a tough one because I disagree with the Padres playing with house money. Look, they went out and got Juan Soto. They need to win this series. And the Mets, these teams are so like mirror images of each other. Big splashes with money, big name players, but they just don't seem to really be doing what they should. And to me, the game one was the Mets are going to met. I mean, first of all, start Jacob deGrom. It's not, it's not that difficult. He's, he's the best pitcher in the world has been for a few years. He's, he is your best chance at a no hitter in game one. Like there's no way around it. He's the best chance at a perfect game. I understand going with Max Scherzer because deGrom's off injury, whatever, but start deGrom. And then, I don't know why this irks me so bad, but to have a smoke show literally right next to Max Scherzer as he's running out, I don't think that helps Max Scherzer. I don't think he's that guy. Mets, you're doing too much. You're metting. And then you go out and you just get blasted. The other thing with San Diego for me is you, Darvish, just, he did what he can do. He can be an ace. He can shut a team down. For tonight, I really think that the it's going to all base on Chris Bassett. He is an ace as well. He is, except on that staff. He has a one 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 six uh whip, 3-4-2 ERA. You know, he's not necessarily world-class. Like, he's not DeGrom and Scherzer. But he's probably the number one starter in at least half of Major League Baseball teams. If he comes out and shoves, it's going to be really tough for the Padres. And he is a pitcher rather than a thrower, where I think DeGrom is a lot more of a thrower. And in some cases, Scherzer is too. He gets out there and he grunts. He's all about just max effort. Bassett can outsmart you as well as outpitch you, as well as outthrow you. And so I think it really lynches on him. Musgrove, I'm not expecting a lot. So I'm, I'm expecting the Padres to have to bang out some runs to compensate for what Musgrove is probably going to do out there, even though he is also an ace on probably half of Major League Baseball teams. He just kind of came down the stretch pretty weak. So I think it really relies on Bassett. And the other thing to point out, I'm not sure a lot of people realize, Jeff McNeil won the batting title in Major League Baseball, and he's hitting, I believe, seven, six or seven. When you've got the Major League batting average title winner, hitting that low in the lineup, that's a deep lineup. Francisco Lindor has come to play in the series. Pete Alonzo has come to play in the series. So for me, it all hinges on Bassett for tonight. Uh, I, this series to me is, this is the team, the Mets are the team that I think are coming in more for the show than for the game of baseball. So I hope they prove me wrong tonight. I do want to see them move along because Lindor is one of my favorite players. I'd, like, I'd love to see him in the next series more so than anybody on the Padres. And I just, I got to hate on the Padres because of all the moves they've made and all the hype that they get, they're just not backing it up. And you hate the Rays because of all the hype they get. And in my opinion, it's deservedly so they get it. To me, the Padres are getting hype that they shouldn't be getting. So I kind of hate the Padres the same way that you hate the Rays. They're getting all this hype and they're not showing anything for it. But I think the Padres need to really put it together. I just don't know if they can. I don't trust Musgrove as much as I like him as a pitcher. I just don't trust him in this situation. I trust Bassett much, much more. And offensively, I really trust the Mets a lot more. I think those guys are showing up in a bigger way. Trent Grisham has been mediocre at best this year. He's got all the tools, and he's putting together in the biggest stage. Maybe he's this year's Randy Rosarena, the greatest to ever do in the postseason. You know, Maybe he's going to be up there with Gehrig and Ruth by the end of this series. I don't know, but I don't see it. And so for me, it just really hinges on Bassett. And I really want to see the Mets move along. I think they pull it out. Overall, I just believe they have more talent. And you have Buck Showalter, who to put Edwin Diaz in an inning number seven of that game, that's, that's a ballsy move. That, that's showing that he's winning. He's trying to win every inning, not just every game as the manager. And he's a smart manager. I think Buck Showalter is a top five manager in the history of the game, um, even with his mess up from in Baltimore when he, they played the Blue Jays a few years ago. So, I'm really excited to see this game tonight. This is going to be the first game I get to sit down and watch, you know, first pitch to last pitch, and it's going to be a good one.
0: Yo, I, I got it. so you mentioned you mentioned the Mets and their, their the the theatrics. It's funny cuz I think in, in in a sense it's a good thing to attempt for baseball, right? But I think it looks absolutely horrible when you're losing. So, one of my one of my favorite things Friday night was people tweeting about uh the Mets DJ Cause you know I don't know who the DJ is, but apparently the DJ was playing like "We Are the Champions" and and all this other stuff while they were down like seven one. And as a baseball fan, I don't know if you've seen that 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 uh, picture of the dude in all orange face, just looking like, absolutely miserable, something out of like a, a Mets horror story. To, to to have that dude sitting there listening to "We Are the Champions" while your ace just got fucking crushed, I, I feel like it's a it's a hard it's a hard path for me. <laughs> Right, like I'm, I'm good on that. I I rather, I rather less entertainment if I have to go through that. But look, it's been a good series so far, man. Rob, I'm gonna kick it to you, man, because look, our boy Lindor, he, he, he's, he's back up, right? He's doing his thing. Um, you know, I could go either way on this series, man. Where are you at?
1: Yeah, so I I think for the Mets, they're going they're going to need the type of performances that they've been getting, especially in Game Two, from what is the heart of their lineup. You know, we've talked about it before. Their, Their lineup goes through mainly through Francisco Lindor and Pete Alonso. After those guys, it's the NL batting champion and Jeff McNeil. And we, we saw him come up big, um, you know, in, in yesterday's game. And those three guys have to continue to contribute in order for the Mets to make any type of real run. Um, you know, on the San Diego's end, I think what a lot of people aren't talking about, you know, I, I know Nick gave his opinion on Joe Mosgrove. Joe Mosgrove has been San Diego's best pitcher in the last two seasons. So San Diego is essentially throwing what is their real ace in game three when the Mets are done with both of their aces. So it's a good place to be for San Diego. I think for them, look, I would have to disagree a little bit as well um, with with you, Daniel. Agree a little bit with Nick in, in terms of how, these two teams right here are a little different than the three series that have that have finished. And I'm not surprised that this is the series that goes to to a third game because I think that this is a team that, when you look at them, there are very real expectations between both of these teams, not not just like other series where you know Seattle. Again, Seattle is in a way, even though Seattle has played really well this season, Seattle in a way is a Cinderella where it's just like you're hoping that Seattle makes this deep run. For San Diego, they made they made the the trades that they made at the deadline for a reason. They traded for Josh Hader for a reason. They traded for Juan Soto. Josh Bell, Brandon Drury for a reason, they've 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 been adding pieces nonstop. Again, we've said it to compete with the Dodgers, but they have to get to that matchup first. So those expectations are there. And then for the Mets, even though they didn't really have any expectations coming into the season, once you get to a certain point in the season where you're leading the division for as long as they have, and I mean, we have to talk the reality. They're in New York. It doesn't, it doesn't matter that that the Yankees are the most, you know, are more successful in New York or anything like that. But they're in New York, so their expectations, once they get to a certain point, are going to be relatively high. Um, so for for these two teams, it's a it's a very key matchup going into a game three. I think for the Mets, they have to put it together lineup-wise, like I said. Francisco Lindor is probably having one of the most underrated seasons of any player. I think I saw the other day that he finished this season, what, top five or something like that in RBIs overall, like for for every player, not just for shortstops. So I, I think that's a that's a very key thing that people are missing. The Mets happen to be one of the best teams in baseball this season, and most of their runs have been driven in by Pete Alonso and, and Francisco Lindor. So they've been doing what they need to do. They have to continue doing that. Look, I think Joe Musgrove is going to come out and be solid um, for San Diego, but I do think if I had to lean somewhere, I'm going to lean with the Mets closing out the series. It could it, I could be wrong, but I'll, I'll even try I'll even try to call it. I think the, I think the Mets take it six three. They'll, they'll take game three, six, three, and then move on and, and face the Dodgers, which, to be honest, whether it's the Mets or the, or the Padres moving on to the next round, narrative-wise, it's going to be a great series because we we know that there has been chirping with the Dodgers and the Mets throughout the season um, a little bit so far, and we already know the bad blood that's there with the Dodgers and the Padres, so that would be another good matchup. But I, like I said, I think six, three, Mets take game
0: three and move on to face L.A. So here, here's my – so we're, so we're going to be making predictions out here um look I think Mets are the better team honestly I think I think Mets Dodgers um, NLDS is a lot better to watch than a Dodgers Padres and NLDS just because you have a lot you have better teams uh as far as just from top down right you you just have a lot more there however the one thing that the Mets have going against them is the Mets right and the one thing is, yo, look, Mets are going to Met. They're going to find a way. They're going to find the way. Like, the suns and the stars find a way to find us every day. The Mets will find a way, right? Not to get, like, all, you know, whatever with you guys. I've been seeing too much horoscope TikTok. Mets are in retrograde or whatever. But, look, I, I would not be surprised if Musgrove comes out and has the best game of his career. And it has nothing to do with Musgrove. It just has to do with those are just the kind of things that happen to the Mets, right? I, so so I, I, I think one of two things will happen. Musgrove comes out here, has the greatest game of his life, leaves the game up 2-0, and, 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 and the Padres find a way to close that out. Or Mets absolutely kill it, right? They're up, they're up, they're up let's say, 4-2, 5-3, right? And then Edwin Diaz comes in. And the automatic Edwin Diaz, Mr. Trumpet Boy himself. Trumpets no more. It's, it's a different season. Padres come out here for different instrument. They say it's tuba time, buddy. And they find a way Puerto to Puerto Ricans ain't failing, bro. The Puerto Ricans ain't failing. They're not failing. I don't know, bro. You got to talk to Yadi about that. One. I want mean, him to know about that. It's not... This is not the time to bring up the Puerto Ricans, Rob. It, it, nah, bro. The real Puerto, everybody know the real Puerto Ricans out in New York, bro. Like, relax. Relax. I, I, I mean, I, I part you. that's part true. I've never seen uh, a Puerto Rican outside of New York, to be honest with you. Um, but anyway, man, yeah, so it's going to be a good one. Um, Nick, you had the Mets winning, right? That, 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 was your, that was your take on that one?
2: I do have the Mets winning, even though their fans left early in game one to not support them. Mets fans, Bro, I, need, yo,
1: I need winners. I need winners and score and scores from both of you, cause I, cause I did, cause I did it.
0: So I'm going
2: Mets six three in game three. Uh, I got the Mets. I'm gonna say it's gonna be a good one. I'm gonna say five to two.
0: Yo, I'll go Padres five four.
2: I also hey, think I, nobody mentioned Brandon Nimmo. He was one for four in the first game they lost, and then he was three for four yesterday, and they they stomped it out pretty much. So Brandon Nimmo, table setter, might be might be a key mm. player in this game.
0: Well, unless Brandy Nimmo stomp in the yard <laughs> in a two thousand six dance movie, I don't give a fuck. Right? Like I'm 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 taking the podges on this one. straight straight up just because I'm a met hater. I'll, I'll be honest with this one. On this one, it's less about baseball analysis. It's more about my personal feelings about the the bad juju that happens in the Queens. Like how sad is it gonna be if like Timmy Trumpet boy out here, <laughs> like ninth inning, going home has to play the like I don't know I don't know if you know who El Chacal is, um, Nick, but there's just uh, long-running Not air chakal, man. You know? Not air yeah. Yep. That's that's where we're at, right? That, that's what I want to be playing tonight. So so we'll see. It should be a great game. Look, I'm happy that one of these series we went to game three because, come on, we, we, we love to see those one-game eliminations even though it's not like what baseball's about. We do love to see it when it comes to fruition like that. So, you know, eyes are going to be on it. Uh, you know, either either one of these teams is gonna have some answering to do right like you guys mentioned all the moves made by both teams either midseason or preseason. high expectations for both of you guys right i think um you know mets are the mets so they, they it's gonna be a little bit higher um i would love to see a steve cohen breakdown or or like meltdown if they lose and, and just say we're gonna we're gonna buy everybody who's a free agent next year we're gonna give you 400 judge and you know who else is coming out i don't know
2: Trey turner know. at second base
0: Trail Turner, Arenado, I will buy out your contract. I will give you fifty million to come. To play. I would love that. I would love that. All right, man. Look, we're out of here, right? Um, we got the ALDSs um, next week. When we're talking about them, we'll probably be towards the end of those series on some of those on some of those series, if not like right in the middle of it. So it should be a good time. Enjoy, enjoy some of this playoff baseball, man. It's been great so far. We'll, we'll catch you later.